Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Executive producer of the Chiefs Radio Network, Dan Israel. And welcome back in, everybody. Our visit with Dan Israel, Chiefs Executive Producer, Chiefs Radio Network. For the first time in 2024, Dan, Happy New Year. I'll ask you what I asked Tommy. Did you have your black-eyed peas yesterday? <laughs> I did not. <laughs> That's a good question. Ah. Well... I hope everything goes well this year for you either way. Uh, for the Chiefs, you know, it was was it it was New Year's Eve Sunday, right, when they played? Yeah. Uh, so they get to start fresh in the new year maybe. But we got the formula. We talked about this last week, Dan. Run the ball. Set up, you know, play action to get wide receivers wide open. Sometimes they won't catch it anyway, but at least you got them open. And play good defense. Harrison Butker's a weapon. That was, you know, to some degree, that was the formula, right, if the Chiefs are going to win playoff games. Yeah, pretty much. And and I did think they did a good job of reducing the mistakes. However, uh, at the same time, it's still uh, there's still a few out there that they need to clean up because I just I feel like you can't make a mistake in the playoffs or it can unwind it can unravel your you know your run there. And so, but it was good to see him clean it up. Uh, it was depressing to see you know MVS drop balls, but uh, I thought. We saw something exciting out of Richie James. That was good. Uh, I thought that Rasheed Rice continued to look good. Still a little puzzled by Kelsey's lack of performance. I don't know if it's just purely because teams are saying, look, you're going to beat us, you're going to beat us without Travis Kelsey. But for Kelsey to only have 16 yards seemed a little strange to me. But all in all, good performance. You know, they, it's a win, and they clinched an eighth straight division title, which, frankly, guys, I think is amazing. I mean, eight straight division titles. I think in my first 25 years of broadcasting the Chiefs, they maybe had four or five division titles total. Uh, to, to do eight straight is pretty phenomenal. You know, Dan, I was really impressed with the first offensive drive for Kansas City where they marched down the field. It was pretty effective, pretty efficient. And I know that there was a lot of talk earlier last week before the game about how the Chiefs were really trying to work on simplifying the playbook you know, figuring out exactly the best plays that were going to put their players in the best position possible. And I know after that, that first drive, they weren't able to get into the end zone again. But how much of that narrative of them simplifying the playbook do you think led to the success that they had on Sunday? Yeah, I couldn't get anybody to actually admit to that to me, but I think it was evident that that was part of the plan. And I think it worked. Uh, I think it it was significant. I also think the 
there was definitely a tone of accountability in the locker room for the week of practice or leading up to that game that I can't say that I've seen. You know, I mean, there was a seriousness and a – I don't know why it took this long. <laughs> you could ask that question. I can't answer it. But it seems like that should have started about six weeks ago, if you ask me. But it, it, it was quieter. You know, it was a little more serious, a little more intense. And, and so I think that had a factor in it as well. Uh, but whatever those, you know, whatever those ingredients are, that's the recipe we need. I mean, that's all there is to it, right? Yeah, I, I mean, it's there. It, it, but what do what they – do you just run Watson out instead of Valdez-Scantling? Like, I don't know what they're supposed to do when they have a guy open on a play like that. I mean, Mahomes has to still throw the ball to that receiver, doesn't he? Like, you can't take that element away completely. It's almost just like drop it and don't, you know, bat it up into the air and cause an interception like that. But but you have to still take that shot, I would imagine, when it's designed up and it goes the way it's supposed to. Yeah, there's a progression of reads, right, that that the quarterback goes through and the and those long routes are typically early in the progression. And so if if a, a receiver has beaten his man, early in the game, you're throwing that ball to him. That's all there is to it. Uh, the lack of confidence there for Mahomes, I mean, look, he's nothing said to me, but I think human nature tells us all the lack of confidence he must have in that particular uh, scenario has got to be really high. I mean, he, I just can't imagine that he feels good when he throws that ball. He must see, like, okay, he's really beating his guy I guess I'll give it a shot. You know, I this is kind of like what I said with the Ra- when we played the Raiders a couple of weeks ago on Christmas, why we were dropping into coverage because when the quarterback threw the ball, there was only a 50% chance he was going to get it to his receiver. He was overthrowing guys by 15, 20 yards, underthrowing guys by 10 yards. It's like, you know, that's a 50-50 ball. you got to get it to a receiver before he can catch it. Well, that isn't the case with Mahomes. The, uh, the, the, the case with Mahomes is the other end, right? I throw it right to the guy. There's a 50-50 chance he's going he's gonna to hang on to it. And, and I know that the long ball that was going down towards the west end zone Sunday to MVS, that was a little bit of a tougher catch, but it still hit him in the hands. And, you know, there's a there's a, a piece of me that, sit, that just, I guess I've grown intolerant to, to watching that. I do think, guys, and this is, this is something I think, you know, you, you could say, you can make an argument, I guess, should the Chiefs play for the number two seed or just, be comfortable at three and and rest guys so that they don't get hurt. But I do think they need to continue to kind of refine what they're doing and, and find a find a uh, find a plan that works that they can execute at a high level. And I think part of that is going to be McCall Hardman. I think McCall Hardman being on the field, having the speed of an MVS, without having to rely on MVS, I think changes things. I think having the speed of both MVS and McCall Harmon on the field is really impressive. But, I mean, I just don't know how much guys are covering MVS at this point when he's not effective. Yeah, I don't really mean to pile on the guy because I know that, I mean, it, that there's been a lot of that over the, the entire season, basically, with MVS. But where do the Chiefs go with him? I mean, I'm not even talking about just in the next week. I'm talking about in a playoff run. I'm talking about in the off season. Uh, you know, with the amount of money that he's guaranteed and the contract that he has, wh- I mean, wh- in your mind, what do you think the Chiefs do with a guy like him that really, I mean, he's the highest paid receiver they have, but he's probably the most ineffective. 
Yeah, I think, you know, uh, let me break that question apart. To, so if we say, you know, what's going forward in the playoff run, I think there's this, there's it a inscrutable memory photograph in our coaches of last year's championship game and that catch and him sending us to a Super Bowl. And I think so for a, uh, to a large degree, they're like, it's there, you know, he's going to get his one big play. He's going to be there when he counts, kind of like Frank Clark was in the playoffs, you know, where he just, he was a different Frank Clark. Playoff Frank Clark and regular season Frank Clark were two different people. And so I think there's this, there's this element of he's going to do something big again in the playoffs like he did last year. And, and I, I'm all for that. Let's have it. Uh, I think to the second part of your question, what do they do in the offseason? I don't see how you go forward with this guy. I, I just – I don't trust him. I don't think they trust him. I don't think the 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 players trust him or the coaches trust him at this point. There's just too much baggage here. And I think, you know, I, I said when we played Green Bay, you could almost sense this subconsciousness of the Green Bay fans going, see, <laughs> told you so. And I don't know. It's hard to disagree with that when you, you know, you see a guy like Aaron Rodgers and a guy like Patrick Mahomes and neither one can make this guy into – Justin Jefferson, that tells you something. So I, I think in the offseason they have to part ways, regardless of what the dead cap money is, regardless. You've got to get somebody in there. And I think this is part of the Chris Jones argument, too. Uh, you know, when you're talking about being a number two or three defense, you're talking about George Karloftis having more sacks than Chris Jones. I don't see how you can afford to pay Chris Jones. You've got to go out. You've probably got to get some offensive line. you probably got to get some – you have to get some receivers here that are – Bitter studs. Dan, Dan Israel, executive producer of the Chiefs Radio Network. When we look at the landscape of the AFC and I guess the NFL as a whole, and we see Baltimore flex again, is the Chiefs, with the formula we're seeing, is the Chiefs best good enough to go on the road to Baltimore and win that game. I think it is, but I think they've got to be near flawless offensively as far as making mistakes. They can't do that. But I do still think there is a path for them if they can play the best version of the game we saw on Sunday. Yeah, I agree there. That's the prescription, right? You have to play Chiefs, legitimate Chiefs football, not what we've kind of been doing on and off all year but that old school, what we've seen out of Mahomes and Kelsey and, and Reed the past, you know, six, seven seasons. Uh, I, I think it's interesting, you know, I would tell you when I look at Baltimore the last couple of weeks, they look pretty tough, man. They look complete. They look balanced. They look like they're executing at a high level. I've said for a long time that I thought if they could ever get uh, Lamar Jackson to, to play in the pocket as a, a legitimate quarterback and then use his legs when they have to, that they would be a dangerous team. And they are, they, they look like that now. However, they haven't looked like that all season long. You know, it's not like they've got, you know, it's right. not like they're undefeated. And so I agree. If the chiefs can play chiefs football, they can go up to M&T bank stadium and they can at least make a contest of it. Will it be a blowout? No, I don't think it'll be a blowout either way. I think it'll be the last man standing. Uh, but I'd love to see that, you know, in, in, a, in a in a season that's had as much. I don't I don't even know how to quite to describe it, you know, with the the level of parity where this is there's so many teams sitting at eight and seven and, and you know kind of vying for these last few playoff spots. It's 
it's crazy how much the, the parity is, is coming to play this season. For a season like that, to say, hey, look, you're, you're not going to play the AFC Championship in Arrowhead this year. All right, let's do what the Patriots did then. Let's go on the road and go win it, right? And I think the Chiefs can do that. They have the talent to do that, but they have to execute. You're exactly right. They have to execute at a near-perfect level if they're going to beat the what looks like a, a, a team executing their game plan at a perfect level, right? So here's another off-season question for you, Dan, and it's, it's based off of you know, something I thought about while watching the game on Sunday. I want to talk about Legereus Sneed. Uh, I, I had this thought, you know, and I think a lot of people have thought this also, that more than likely the Chiefs would let him test free agency when that contract is up at the end of the season. But after watching him on Sunday and then basically throughout the entire season, I don't, I mean, I feel like you got to try to make a run at re-signing him. Do you think that's something that the Chiefs will entertain? I mean, I know he's going to probably garner a pretty big paycheck, and I know money is tight, you know, with Kansas City and all of that. But do you envision a scenario where they do make it at least a, a, a legitimate attempt to keep him in Kansas City? Yeah, Tommy, I actually think they have to. I think they need to. Uh, those guys don't grow on trees. Yeah. You know, the Dale Carters and the Darrell Revises of the world, they don't, they don't grow on trees. And if you've got one, and I think if you look at the body of work between he and McDuffie this year, the number of uh, outstanding receivers that they've defended well. I mean, look what they did to Jamar Chase. Three catches. Yeah. Jamar, Jamar should have been forced to, to do a press conference Sunday and apologize. <laughs> is what it, you know, I mean, it, it is just they I just think they have to make a run. And this, again, goes back to the Chris Jones. This is why I think you can't afford the Chris Jones re-signing unless Chris makes a, 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 a team friendly deal, which. I mean, frankly, uh, what we saw out of last year, I don't think that's ever going to happen. So I just think you can't spend all that money on one guy because you got to pay the needs you got to you've got to go out and get receivers and I, I really do think not only will they try to sign Snead they should try to sign Snead I, I think he's been that good and and you know I, I think he's been a, a critical part of why this defense is so outstanding teams just can't I mean Sunday's performance in the last in the fourth quarter was suffocating yeah I mean I, I just felt like Man, that I, and I and I get this is a backup quarterback. This isn't a guy who's used to all that pressure. But when you take away his targets and you just leave him out there for the Lions, uh, for the uh, for the O or for the D line to just go and devour, <laughs> it's it's pretty impressive defense. So I, I think to your point, not only uh, should uh, will they, I think they should, uh, and I think they I think they're going to try to figure out. That'll probably be the first thing they deal with in the offseason. To be honest with you, is figure out where we're talking. And, and by the way, I would say this too. Probably the happiest guy in the National Football League right now is Sneed's agent because he has played at a level. I mean, if you said, hey, demo me how good this guy is. All right, well, let's give you Justin Jefferson. Let's give you Devontae. Yeah. Let's, let's give you one of the number one receivers in the league, and he's done it all, man. So his agent's got to be just licking his chops. Yeah, you add the way that the secondary is played and, and then the, the pass rush and all of that, and I, that kind of leads me to another question. Is there a better defensive coordinator at dialing up blitzes at the right time than Steve Spagnola? I mean, you mentioned the fourth quarter and how suffocating it was. I mean, they were getting to Jake Browning like crazy in that game on Sunday. And I just feel like the timing that Spags has when he sends the blitz versus when he doesn't. It, I mean, I feel like it's usually it always works out in the way that it should. 
Yeah, and it and it the fact that it works out in his favor so much more. It's like flipping a coin and it coming up heads nine times. Yeah. Well, that's not normal. That isn't natural. Something's affecting that coin, right? So I, I do feel like he's special in that. I look, there's a lot of good defensive coordinators. I, I nobody would question Bill Belichick's defensive prowess, but I just feel like, in particular. Steve Spagnuolo is exactly what this team needs. And it's interesting to me, one of my guys on Sunday was saying, oh, no, they were scored. Here they go. Here, you know, here we go. We're, you know, this is going to be one of those games. I'm like, dude, just calm down. This is the way they work. The first quarter is like this assessment. All right, what, how are you going to play? And then the remaining three quarters is this clamp-down defense. The first three possessions last Sunday, the Bengals scored – 17 points the remaining seven possessions they scored nothing nothing not even field goals and so to me I feel like that defense he is just so good at kind of designing like adjusting in game so those that first quarter that second quarter sometimes is like an assessment he's taking he's taking stock and what he's got and what he needs to do and then the third quarter man he just dials in the adjustments and it becomes dominating and it's fun to watch i really enjoy defensive football i know that the offensive football is is exciting to watch and you know fun and i love scoring you know 14 points in two minutes in the old days i like that too but this defense has been a, a, just a, a really entertaining uh, group to watch, I think, and playing some good teams, too, you know. Uh, they've shut down some of some of the NFL's best this year. I don't want to look ahead before it's over. How much of this defense can be held together next season, Dan? That's an excellent question, Jacob. I, you know, I, money's, money's uh, the, the, the issue in all teams. Uh, some teams – tend to do better with it than others. I think the Chiefs are among some of the teams that have done better. I mean, to be able to have a huge contract with Mahomes and Kelsey, and I get that those guys both did team-friendly deals and and stuff, And uh, but it is the great divide, and, and I just don't, I don't see a way to keep Chris Jones and keep this team moving forward. If we keep Chris Jones, I, I think you're, you're, hamstring, you're hamstrung with exactly what happened this year, which is you can't go out and get the DeAndre Hopkins. You know, if you keep Chris Jones, do you have a shot at T. Higgins? I don't think so. Do you have a shot at Mike Evans? I don't think so. And I think if you don't have him, then you do. So the question, I guess, becomes really uh, what's that defense look like without Chris Jones? Well, I'm I'm sure it's not going to be as good. Chris Jones is a monster. Chris Jones is also 34 or 5 years old now. Uh, Well, no, I don't think he's that old, is he? He's maybe 30 or 31. But my point is, I guess, that Chris Jones is on the top to decline side, not ascending side of his career. And so do you drop from the number two or three defense to the number five or six defense? Yeah, you probably, but that's still pretty good. So I guess if they could keep the bulk of it together in, in terms of the secondary, if they can keep Snead, you know, uh, I think we could do uh, – I think George Korloftis has been playing really – really well i think he's going to continue to play better get better and play stronger and so you know that takes a little of pressure off those interior guys right but they'll have to do something it'll be a little bit different as it is every year right it is it is chris jones 29 he'll turn 30 this summer and he's he's 
He signaled that he wants to be paid, so I think you have to put that in your back pocket. There's no Kelsey or Mahomes deal coming for him unless something changes drastically uh, from this past offseason. Dan, we appreciate it. I don't know who you're going to get out there on the field uh, this weekend, but uh, the Chiefs are in. Their their spot is secured, and we'll see what happens. And now the question all week will be how much do guys play. But uh, you guys will have the call this weekend one way or the other. We will. I, you know, I think the Chargers are going to be uh, in a weird spot. The Chiefs are in a weird spot. You're exactly right. I don't know what we'll see. But uh, one thing I think is for sure is if they can if they can continue to prep for the playoffs, that's what's important. Yep, I agree. Dan Israel, executive producer, Kansas City uh, Chiefs Radio Network. We appreciate it, Dan. Uh, the next time we talk, we'll be getting ready for a playoff game. That's right. Have a good week, guys. Go Chiefs. There goes Dan. That's crazy to think about, Tommy. That this time next week, it's like we're going to be breaking down a playoff matchup. Let's talk about the Chris Jones situation in the offseason. And and it only seems topical right now because Jamar Chase keeps bringing up Legereus Sneed and that he's the only guy and he's going Let, to... Let's hit that just, just a minute here when we come back. We'll have more Sports Daily. Welcome to 2024, everybody. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back, everybody. Sports Daily here. First one of 2024. An interesting point came up in the conversation with Dan Israel, which you can go back and listen to the Chiefs Radio Network executive producer for free on the Odyssey app. An interesting part of that, though, I thought, Tommy, was Chris Jones. And what do you do next year? Because you can't keep all these guys together. They have some big defensive free agents. Chris Jones by the way, is having another Chris Jones season, right? He's got nine and a half sacks. I don't think he'll play in this finale, uh, but he's been getting a lot of pressures. His impact on the field is immense. You can see it every game. It's interesting because, you know, they made the decision essentially to go with Jones over a free agent receiver. If we want to, if we want to, and it's probably more complicated than that, but if we want to look at it that simply, and it's led to having the best, you know, the, the second best defense, I suppose, in football this year. I don't know that that was the wrong decision. Now, they've had to learn how to win games in a different way. If they had a different number one wide receiver, how many of these outcomes go different? I don't know that. But it's not like it was a bad decision to go with Chris Jones. But if you go back to the decision-making process, we pointed this out all along. If you decide to go this way, it will cost you in other places. And they did, and it has, but here they are, and they do have a path. So it's interesting to try and guess at what comes next because it's not like it's been a bad decision to keep Chris Jones. It's just, you know, the ramifications of it are very clear to us. Yeah, my opinion on this, I think, has shifted as the year has gone on. Before the year started, I was definitely on team pay Chris Jones whatever he wants and lock him in and keep him in Kansas City. I've kind of changed on that and cooled off on that a little bit, and it's not because Chris Jones has done a bad job. It's because there have been other places in that defense that have stepped up big time, and I think it's incredibly essential now at this point moving forward to take care of those guys because they are so important 
in other areas on the defense. Legereus Sneed is a perfect example of that. Dan and I talked about that, you know, about how the way that he has been placed on number one receivers throughout the entire season and for the most part locked them down week in and week out, you know, he's going to be a free agent. He's going to garner a good amount of money on the free agent market. I agree with Dan when Dan says that not only should the Chiefs go after him, but they will go after him. And I think that they try to lock him in and re-sign him. You're going to need that money coming from somewhere. And I don't think that it's going to be the best idea at this point to throw a bunch of money at Chris Jones going into his year 30 season as opposed to trying to re-sign guys like LeJarius Sneed. It's always been length of contract with Chris Jones for me. I don't know that there will be any, even Legereus Sneed. Like, Legereus Sneed is more replaceable than Chris Jones. And I think Legereus Sneed's been awesome. But what Chris Jones does in a game is pretty irreplaceable. Like, there's two of them that do it at that, you know, he and Aaron Donald. And then there's other great defensive tackles, don't get me wrong. But, I mean, these guys are absolute game wreckers on almost every play. I, it's the age and the length of the contract. I don't know what the best answer is. And I'm not sure you would convince me that having a great receiver is more important than having Chris Jones. I don't think I agree with that. And in fact, I think you could take a couple of dart throws at veteran wide receivers and have better luck. It really becomes down to like Sneed and is it Willie Gaze, the other big free agent? Like it really comes down to that. And And I just wonder... And I think I know the answer to this, by the way. I think I know the answer is that they'll move on from Chris Jones and attack some offense. And I think it's because Kelsey is getting a little older. And and if Kelsey, could you imagine if, you know, if Kelsey regresses or anything like that? Like, again, and we've gone through this exercise, literally every tight end of all time has. Kelsey's actually done it better than all of them still. Like, he's still aging at a slower rate than tight ends historically ever have but it's coming right it's coming we can see that it's coming and so I I think that's probably the reason they attack that way is because they have to have a backup plan the Chiefs don't always get it right in the offseason but I think that their philosophies are generally the right ones what they attack they attacked offensive line after the Super Bowl loss. They attacked defense after it wasn't good enough for so many years. Like, they do attack the areas of need. Again, they don't always get the player right. But I don't know how you attack wide receiver. Because I don't think they can... I, I don't Even if they don't have Chris Jones, I'm still not sure they can go afford to sign T. Higgins. Like, I don't know that that's going to be what they're able to do either. Maybe it is. Maybe, and at that point, you can just sign off and say, okay, there's your receiver, Mahomes, on to the next one. Because you do have that in Rashi Rice. Yeah. I right? mean, you, you have that receiver duo, in Rashi Rice. A duo of T. Higgins and Rashi Rice. I mean, that's going to be, if that happens, that would be incredible. And, and, oh, by the way, you know, Travis Kelsey there at tight end. You mentioned Legereus Sneed and, and how, you know, that you think he's replaceable. Find me another. I don't think he's replaceable. I think he's more replaceable than Chris Jones. Find, don't, me, I, another, I don't wanna... find me another corner, though, in the NFL that has been locked down on Justin Jefferson, A.J. Brown. He's been awesome. Tyreek Hill. Awesome. Uh, you know, most recently, Jamar Chase last week and has shut them down consistently every single time that he's been put on the number one receiver. I'm not sure there's another corner in the league that has been able to no, do that I... at that level this season. 
That's not what I mean. What I mean is there are more typically good corners like that than there are absolute game-wrecking interior linemen who are both do it against the, the run and the pass. I, I'm not saying Legereus Sneed has been in the conversation for the best in the business this year. That's not what I mean at all. What I mean is his position, generally speaking, you can find guys to move into those spots. You don't replace Chris Jones. Like, there is no replacement for Chris Jones. And so I, I, I don't know. And I think they'll let him go. I think they'd invest in, in Sneed there, I think. Um, but if they invest in Sneed, are they going to, after the season he's had, are they going to be able to attack receiver? That's the other thing. Like, everyone just assumes if they don't, you know, if they don't sign Chris Jones, they still have to sign Legereus Sneed to way more money than he's making right now. So that's going to also take up a lot of money. They just have, they have big decisions to make. Basically, do you continue to invest in the defense or do you switch it back up and go back to the offense again? And I don't know what the right answer to that is. I really don't. I cannot believe. And I was the biggest advocate for adding a wide receiver to this room. And even I can't believe it's gone this poorly. Right? I, I never th- I thought they needed one so badly in the offseason. I wanted them drafting one in the first round. Like all of these things. And I, even I can't believe it's gone this badly. I mean, I'm not even so, looking for a wide receiver that, you know, is a game record, you know, number one type. All I'm looking for, and I'm not even looking for multiple of them. I'm looking for somebody that is not a reclamation project. Somebody that's just not a project in general. I mean, outside of the guys that, that they've drafted, you've got Richie James, who has had some flashes and he's been good in the return game, but he's kind of a project. Kadarius Tony is clearly a project. Justin Ross has been a project. You know, Sky Moore has been a project. There have been so many different projects that they've gotten at wide receiver that they don't have anybody that you really feel confident in week in and week out. And so I'm just looking for if they go attack the receiver in the offseason, just bring in somebody that's a little bit more proven, somebody that you can trust in a little. They don't even have to be. I mean, I would love T. Higgins. Don't get me wrong. That'd be incredible. But it doesn't even have to be a guy the caliber of T. Higgins. It can be somebody maybe even a tier down that at least you can trust in some capacity when the ball is thrown to them. I, 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 I agree. I don't think it, I don't, I don't think it needs to be T Higgins at all. I think it'd be great. That'd be incredible. I I think they have that with Rashi Rice though. And I don't think it needs to be Mike Evans. Like there will be other guys around that could, I think be like Kendrick Bourne is going to be a free agent. I think. Can you get Kendrick Bourne? You know, like, can you get, I, I, you know, Hollywood Brown's going to be a free agent. What does he command on the open market? How about Noah Brown and what we've seen out of him in Houston, right? Like, what, what, there's going to be some guys Calvin on that Ridley list. Calvin Ridley is a free agent after this season. I, Darnell I Mooney think Calvin is a Ridley, free agent after this season. Yep. And, 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 and I, I would still, like, even stylistically, what do they need? Like, I, I, that's the thing. I don't think they have to go in a t- I'd rather see, uh, let me give you an example. I'd rather see Legereus Sneed and Kendrick Bourne than I'd rather see T. Higgins or Mike Evans or probably Calvin. I bet Calvin Ridley gets paid. But, like, I, I, that, you know what I mean? Like, I'd rather see a combination of Sneed and a middle-tier receiver because they don't, I think Rashi Rice is a top-end guy. I think that's he's going to continue to develop into that. And so I don't think they need that. I think they need reliability. 
just guys that can catch the ball. Because if Kelsey still has one or two good years in him, and I think he probably does, you're looking for a third option in the passing game. That's all you're looking for. And I think you can go find that. What about a guy like Sterling Shepard, who's had some injury issues, but he's been good when he's on the field? You know, like there, there are some names out there that I think they can take swings on that will upgrade the wide receiver room that won't potentially cost them. They, I, I just don't think you, you know, can I think watch that, I think Sneed K- and Jones and Gay. Like right. you, you can't watch all those guys walk out the door. I think K.J. Osborne is a good receiver for the Vikings. Fine. I think he gets overlooked in the in a room with Justin Jefferson and, and Jordan Addison. Uh, but I think he's a good wide receiver. He's a free agent this season. I mean, Gabe there are, Davis is there a free are a agent. Lot and you know what? I think that and there are a couple of current Chiefs wide receivers that are free agents. I don't think they re-sign McCole Hardman. I don't think I mean they, they might re-sign any of them. They might re-sign None. Richie James. He's a free agent because what he can do in the return game. Um, but I mean, th- those that's basically it. Um, I, I think they're going to let the rest of them walk, and there are a lot of other really good options that are out there that probably aren't going to cost you a whole lot of money. How much would you like to see Demarcus Robinson back on this team? Oh man, uh, this year after what he's doing in L.A. right now, I mean, he immediately like, how, slots how into probably your number two wide receiver. Like <laughs> he for sure does. There's there is no question. He for sure does, and it's just they just missed. They just missed on on at the position, and now they're going to have another off season where it's like what what do you attack here do you I, I still think you do as much as you can to keep the defense together and take more dart throws at wide receiver you could try drafting another one if you want to um i just don't i, I don't want to re- listen to every mlb game live the deep left center field it is high it is far it is gone stream minor league affiliates the midwest league home run leader Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. And what they've put together defensively, because I do think great defenses still matter so much in the NFL. And I just don't know, without Travis Kelsey... Are we ever – let me ask you this. Are we ever going to see the Chiefs offense be what it was when it had, you know, the two Hall of Fame pass catchers on it? I don't think it'll ever get back to that in, in like, ever again, the Hill-Kelsey offenses. So if it doesn't, what what is it? Like, and what would you rather see? I still think that, you know, putting Mahomes with a great defense – He's not a bad idea. You just have to get more production and like any production out of these guys. And and they've tried a million different ways and it hasn't worked. So I, I don't know. I, I just don't think it's like everyone wants it to get back to this Mahomes throwing 50 touchdowns a year kind of thing. I, I just don't know that that's going to happen. That was a perfect planetary alignment when that was going. I think it can but I think it's going to depend upon the way that they prioritize things in the future. And what people conveniently forget is that like that, that season or the couple seasons when the offense was clicking, you remember back and then I think it was the 2018 or maybe 2019 season when the offense was breaking records left and right. And it was just insane how bad their defense was. Yeah. Right. Like they were scoring 50 points and it wasn't enough. Like I remember the Monday night football game against the Rams and Jared Goff 
and it didn't matter what Mahomes did. The Rams were scoring, you know, immediately on the Chiefs defense and how awful they were. So it's really, really, really hard to put it all together at one time. The priority over the last couple of years has been defense. That's really where it's been for Kansas City. And so because of that, you put all the focus and a lot of the money on the defense, then there are some things offensively that maybe start to fall through the cracks and you're not really performing at that high level. So it just comes down to what they prioritize moving forward. And I think that they've leaned on the talent of Mahomes. They've leaned on the talent of Travis Kelsey. And they've said, you know what, we can kind of piecemeal the rest of it together. That you, We're kind of seeing how that works now. And, and that's kind of where we're at right now. So, I mean, do they go back and they prioritize the offense more in this offseason? I think probably a little bit. I think you have to blow up the wide receiver room outside of Rashi Rice, start from scratch, and then just kind of see what you can do on the free agent market and in the draft. And I think that even if you can go out and get a mid-tier receiver in the offseason that's a free agent and you use a high draft pick on a wide receiver, I think at that point, your wide receiver room is immediately better than what it is right now. So I don't think it's going to be that difficult for them to at least get back to a competent, normal offense next season. But it's going to take some work for them to do that, I think, this offseason. So Willie Gay is going to be a free agent. Legereus Sneed, of course, is going to be a free agent. Drew Tranquil is going to be a free agent. Mike Edwards is going to be a free agent. I mean, there's a chance their defense is not even close to what it is this year. I, I don't know what we'll, – I mean, we're obviously going to have a long time to think about the way to attack, and they probably have some idea now. But it will be fascinating this offseason to see how this plays out. I just don't see Chris Jones back, but, man, he's still so good. And, and that'll be – That'll be tough to see him playing in another uniform, but it's probably inevitable. This, you know, it's the price of success in the NFL. All right, we'll come back. Let's give away some HTO on the way out here, Jad. We'll do a couple of free brew house coffee offerings. Uh, that's iced or hot. The weather has turned. Might be a good opportunity to get a little of that coffee. You can do that right now by calling us on the KFH hotline, 869-1240. Those cards good for two free brew house drinks at either the east location of HTO in Wichita or the Derby location. We'll be back with more Sports Daily right after this. All right, Wildcat fans, you can check out GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast, the latest bowl and transfer portal news, as well as men's and women's basketball all season long. Follow PowerCat podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, You can hear K-State basketball, 6 o'clock, Chicago State on KFH. I don't know. I mean, there's not really anything we need to see. It feels like K-State hadn't played in like a decade basketball, Tommy. Um, but you know, we got one more to go here for the cats on the court before they get into big 12 play. Anything you're still curious about or needing to see out of the, out of the regular season, uh, with Chicago state tonight, uh, just, you know, a good tune up for him. I don't know anything about Chicago state kind of like you, but you know, it's the final non-conference game before you kick off big 12 play. So you want to make sure that. You know, you're getting everything in that you want to see. December 21st. It's been a long it's been time. A long time. Was it the Wichita that State shocker game? game? Yeah, that was the yes, last game they played. That was the last one they played. So you know, you've you've got one more tune-up, and it's a long layover, right, from December 21st to now. So you want to try to shake the rust off as best as you can. 
get ready to go for Big 12 play because you have this long layoff, you play one more non-conference game, and then it's right into Big 12 play, and it's a grind. We all know once you get into conference play, it is a lot. And you, uh, you very often have games on a Saturday. Then you might have another game on a Monday or a Tuesday. So really not a whole lot of time off in between games. It's a grind. And big, you know, big 12 play is a marathon. So try to shake off that rust. Get tuned up. Get ready to go with this final non-conference game. I suppose it is good timing, right? When you don't play a game for that long to be able to come back and get one out of the way before you then jump in. Because they go Saturday. So, like, it's, you know, this will be a well-placed game. It's odd that they don't play, uh, you know, earlier in the, you know, it's it's like a, because let me look at KU's schedule here real quick. Because KU opens the conference season with a game on uh, on Thursday. No, it's Saturday, too. Okay, everybody so they kicks also off open on up. Saturday, so yeah. Everybody, I was at Wichita State plays Thursday. I was thinking KU mm-hmm. did, too. So that's good. So, you know, for KU, their tune-up essentially was Wichita State. Mm-hmm. And now the tune-up for because they hadn't played since the 22nd before. You know, it's a shorter gap, but it's still a gap. So we'll see what they can do against Chicago State. Um, I'm not too concerned that it's that level of opponent this late in it. You know, I think it's better for KU to to have been able to play Wichita State, but K-State just played Wichita State too. Uh, so we'll see. I'm just ready for Big 12 play. I mean, all of this being said, like, can we get to conference, please? Like, for both the Shockers and KU and K-State. I don't know what to expect out of the Big 12 this year. Uh, I think it's going to be wild, probably more so than ever before with the new teams. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to love it. And I feel the same way about the American for the Shockers. Like, I don't know what to expect outside of FAU and Memphis. I really don't. And we say that all the time, but I don't know how you could. Like, where where are te- – like, I haven't even looked at the Ken Palm in a little while, but let's just take a quick look here. So you got FAU and the American right now sitting at 21. Uh, then you have Memphis at 34. Then you have SMU at 50. North Texas at 82, Tulane at 114, then Wichita State at 120, and then a bunch of other teams sort of between 120 and like 200. So North Texas right now, who's 7-5, and five, is, is better than Wichita State by a pretty significant margin in the Ken Palm. So that is a good way to start it. And then they'll get Temple looks like, you know, according to Ken Palm, is the cupcake uh, of the of the conference right now. But that North Texas game, that's a good one. That Those are the kinds of teams Wichita State needs to be better than this year, in my opinion. Yeah, and you know, Memphis, I know they're high up in the Ken Palm. The one thing we know about Memphis over the years is that, you know, they've got a ton of talent, but they don't always execute at the top of their game, right? So, I mean, I think clearly FAU is number one. We all know that. But then beyond that, I mean, I think that Memphis – while they may have the talent to be the number two team in the American, I'm not convinced that they actually are. I think you're looking at SMU. You're looking at a grouping of teams with them in North Texas, Tulane maybe, Wichita State in there as well. You know, I, and, and really, Florida Atlantic, we know how experienced they are. We know how talented they are, how well coached they are, all of that. I mean, they made an incredible run last season. They've backed it up for the most part. I know they lost. They were upset uh, just a few days ago. Um, you know, but other than that, I mean, they, they are an incredibly talented team, but there's really nothing that backs me off of my thought that Wichita State can't be one of the three or four best teams in the American this season. I, I agree. Big 12, by the way, Tommy. Ten teams inside the top 40. Ten teams. 
And I didn't even realize until right this second that BYU has played their way up to number three in the Ken Palm. I had no idea that that was happening. So good for them. <laughs> like I had like legitimately no idea that BYU was playing that well yeah. and off to that good a start this season. Of course, wow. of course we keep our eyes on Houston for sure, but keep your eyes on BYU. Keep your eyes on Oklahoma. They're a team that in the non-conference has looked incredible. They found their yep. way into, I think, a top 20 ranking nationally. Cincinnati's really good. There's yeah. 10 inside the top 40 of the Ken Palm. That's, that is insanity. Oh, it's going to be so fun. It is going to be so much fun. Kansas State's not one of those 10, by the way. Kansas State's down there at 67. So they're the next team after that. Uh, but Kansas State right now is going to have to prove something, right? Like, they... They're going to have to get in there and mix it up with teams right now that, you know, through the metrics and all that, have looked better so far. Whew, we get that game tonight. All right, we'll come back. We'll tell you what time, what else is on the network today when we return on Sports Daily. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. 